0: May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our Rock and our Redeemer. Amen. Merry Christmas. Christmas. This past week, we celebrated the principal feast of the Incarnation. God becoming incarnate, enfleshed in the birth of Jesus, born of the Virgin Mary in Bethlehem. And today I wished you a Merry Christmas because this principal feast of the Incarnation is still ongoing. Despite what the retailers and popular culture tells us, Christmas lasts for 12 days. So, All those UPS and FedEx packages that didn't make it by December 25th will still arrive in time for Christmas. (laughs) And if you're anything like me, don't worry, you still have plenty of time to mail out those Christmas cards that are stacked up on your kitchen counter. So we continue in our Christmas celebration Our Christmas reflections up to this point have rightfully focused on the significance of God becoming human. As Jonathan put it, the God who has always been for us is now with us. But today I'd like to look at what the incarnation, God becoming human, means for us today. Because we too are a part of the Christmas story. Notice how Paul summarizes the Christmas story in today's reading from Galatians. But when the fullness of time had come, God sent his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, in order to redeem those who were under the law, so that those who were under the law might receive adoption as children. So, you are no longer a slave, but a child. In other words, Paul tells us that the driving purpose behind the incarnation, behind the Christmas story, was so that we could be adopted as children of God. Now, some of you might be thinking, that's strange. Why do we need to be adopted as children of God? Isn't everybody a child of God? Well, yes and no. Yes, it is true that we are all made in the image of God. Whether you're a Christian, an atheist, a Muslim, a Wiccan, whatever, you have the divine imprint on you. Everyone was created by God for God. So in some sense, everybody is a child of God. But just as the prodigal son still bore the family resemblance and was no longer in relationship with his father or family, so too there are many who are made in God's image but are not living in relationship with the father and his family. And many of us were once separated from the father and from the Father's family. But Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, came so that through faith we could be adopted and reunited to our Father and our family. This is why John writes in today's Gospel reading, He, that is Jesus, came to what was his own, and his own people did not accept him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave power to become children of God. Children of God who were born not of blood or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. In other words, John tells us that when we receive the child of God, Jesus, and believe in his name, We become children of God. To be honest, I don't think I had ever noticed the connection John draws between God's child becoming human and humans becoming children of God. The incarnation is not just about the fact that God came and joined our human family, but that we are invited to join the family of God we are invited to join alongside Jesus as sons and daughters of God. If you ever come to my office, you'll notice that I have Rublev's um, painting of the Holy Trinity, an icon hanging on my wall. In this icon, the Holy Trinity is depicted as three figures seated around a four-sided table, enjoying a meal together. The artist has rendered it such that when you are looking at the icon, you are occupying the fourth seat at the table. The three figures are facing towards you, welcoming you at the family table. This is what I think both Paul and John are telling us in today's readings. We have been invited into the family life with God. We are grafted into the relationship between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We have a place at the family table. Because of the incarnation, we can be children of God. And, you know, what is so astonishing to me is that John tells us this at the very beginning of his gospel. In the midst of describing the intimate and eternal relationship between the Father and the Son, which existed before time and before anything had been created. John places those of us who believe in Jesus right smack dab in the middle of the eternal trinity. John tells us that Christ took on humanity so that we could take on divinity as children of God. So today, I'd like to unpack two implications of taking on our identity as children of God. First, we get some new clothes. As I told the children this morning, God gives us new clothes when we put our faith in Jesus. If you recall, after Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden, it says that they realized they were naked, and so they were ashamed. After the fall, nakedness became shameful. When I was a very young boy, I was playing on a playground near the softball fields where my sister was competing in a game. As I scooted off part of the playground equipment to jump to the ground, my shorts caught on the head of a nail that was sticking out from the playground equipment. I hung there precariously for a split second suspended by my shorts and then i heard the disconcerting sound of fabric ripping after landing headfirst on the ground i discovered that the entire backside of my shorts had been ripped in one long gash for whatever reason i honestly can't remember why now my dad had to stay at the softball fields until my sister's game was over which meant that i couldn't go home and I couldn't change my clothes. So there I sat on the bleachers with my dad, completely immobile, trying desperately to hide my nakedness. I was so ashamed. And for the first and only time ever, I prayed fervently for a new pair of shorts. (laughs) It seems like no big deal now, and maybe even a bit humorous but I will always remember that feeling of shame. And I'm sure that all of us at one time or another have experienced a similar deep feeling of shame. And when Adam and Eve felt the shame of their nakedness, it says that God himself made new clothes for them out of animal skins. God himself covered their nakedness and removed the shame of their offense against him. And I think this is what Isaiah has in mind when he writes, He has clothed me with garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. When we come to faith in Jesus, when we put our trust in his love and forgiveness, the shame caused by our offenses is covered up. God himself dresses us so we don't have to be ashamed of the ways we have offended against his holy law. The shameful nakedness of Eden is overturned. As children of God, we get new eternal clothes. We become a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord and a royal diadem in the hand of our God. So that's the first thing. We get new clothes. Second, we get a new name. Isaiah tells us, You shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. Often, in both the Old and New Testament, the giving of a new name indicates the beginning of a new relationship with God or a change in status. Abram a childless man, becomes Abraham, the father of many nations. Simon, the fisherman, becomes Peter, the rock. And Isaiah prophesies a time when the God who has saved his people gives them new names. A new name for their new relationship with him that is unencumbered by sin. A new name to fit their new status as adopted children, and rightful heirs. God's children are no longer bound by the family of origin they were born into or their old way of life. They get a fresh start with a new identity as newly adopted children. So these two things, new clothes and a new name, are two implications of accepting our identity As children of God. But even though we are called to be sons and daughters of God, many of us probably recognize that our everyday lives don't seem like they are part of the family life of God. Instead, our lives might seem like one long display of frenzy, fears, and failures. As Mr. Rogers once said, Little by little, we human beings are confronted with situations that give us more and more clues that we aren't perfect. You know you have really become a Pittsburgher when you start quoting Mr. Rogers. (laughs) But it's true, isn't it? None of us are perfect. Over Thanksgiving weekend, I went backpacking on the Appalachian Trail for two days by myself. It was sort of a dual-purpose trip. I had a goal of completing a section of the Appalachian Trail that I'd previously skipped over. And I also wanted to spend some time alone to be silent and try to hear from the Lord. The plan was to cover 32 miles in two days, which I knew would be a stretch for my current fitness level. In case you didn't know, priests don't typically get much exercise on the job. Anyway, I had two minor mishaps along the way. First, I realized that I had forgotten to pack all of my food, so I was going to be short on food. Second, I realized that I forgot to pack any source of caffeine, which means that I was going to get a headache. So on day two, having hiked 16 miles the day before and having already completed eight miles that day, I began to feel really weak and hungry, and I started to get a headache from caffeine withdrawal. And as I was hiking along, I passed a backpacker who was heading in the opposite direction. We exchanged pleasantries, said good morning and all that, and he continued on his way. When he got about 30 yards past me, he turned around and called out to me, and he said, Hey, you don't look so good. Would you like a piece of chocolate? In that moment, there was nothing I wanted more than that piece of chocolate. I was hungry, and I knew that chocolate had caffeine. It was exactly what I wanted and needed. So I turned around with a big smile on my face and said, No, thank you. I'm fine. Happy trails. Ten minutes later, I was kicking myself. Not literally, because I was far too exhausted for that. And repenting before the Lord. I went backpacking to hear from God. And I think this was how He spoke to me. He used this opportunity to reveal to me my pride and stubbornness. But more than that, he showed me that my pride and stubbornness are a fundamental rejection of my calling to be a child of God. Through this other hiker, God was providing for my needs as his child. But my pride and stubbornness pushed me away from the family table. Well. I know what it is that keeps me from stepping into my identity as a child of God. And now so do you. But what is it for you? What keeps you from taking your rightful place in God's family? Maybe instead of pride, it's not thinking you are worthy to be a child of God. Maybe you're holding on to the shame of past sins and mistakes because you can't let yourself receive the new clothes of God's forgiveness and grace. Maybe you are still so caught up in your former way of life, your old sinful patterns, or who the culture is telling you to be, that you can't receive the new name that God has for you, the new identity that God has called you to. Or maybe, maybe you've spent so long pushing God and people away because of past disappointments and hurts in your family of origin or your friends or the church, that you want nothing to do with God the Father or his family. Whatever it is, today you can leave it all behind and step into your rightful place as a child of God. This Christmas... I invite you to become a child of the God who became a child. Now, I think this is the part of the sermon where I'm supposed to propose some sort of Christian New Year's resolution. But I'm not going to do that because I know how terrible I am at following through with New Year's resolutions. So instead, I'm going to give you something we can all do right now. At the end of this sermon... I'm going to pause for two minutes of silence for you to ask the Lord to speak to you. Whether that is reassurance that he has covered your shame with his love and forgiveness, or reassurance of your new identity as a child of God, or something else entirely. Life is a noisy place. And this time of year is particularly filled with noise and busyness, and distractions. But right now, take the time to come to God as his child. Take your place at the family table and see what God has for you. Receive your new clothes and your new name. Become a child of the God who became a child.